Today I get to bring you guys the Easter message. I'm so excited about this. A lot of you guys know Joey, our youth pastor, and his wife Jess have these beautiful little twin girls, Mila and Sienna. And when we were still allowed to all be in the same building over a month ago, uh, Mila came up to me and she grabbed my finger and she loves my wife. So she's grabbing my finger and she's pulling me around the auditorium to try to find Kelly. And she's taking me all around. And as she's doing that, I look across and I see, oh, well, there's Sienna. And so I look down at Mila and I said, there's your twin sister Sienna over there. And she looks at me and she goes, no, that's Mila. I looked down and said, oh, you're Sienna. I didn't even know who I had with me. And so sometimes I've often thought about and dreamt a little bit about how much fun you could have if you were a twin, right? Think about the things you could do, the pranks you could pull. In fact, I have a friend named Ron and he and his brother were twins, identical, looked exactly the same. And his, his brother and he didn't go to the same college, but they went pretty close in in the same town. And so his brother one day went to his college campus and asked out five different girls pretending to be him. You can imagine the next day, Ron got slapped five different times by the girls that he didn't show up for these dates with. He had no clue. And it worked because they looked just the same. Here's what I want you to think about today. Maybe your assumption of Jesus is he looks the same as everybody else, you know? Maybe your assumption of Christianity is it's really just the same as everything else. You could kind of slide one religion in and Christianity out. It would all kind of look the same. And, And there's kind of like a basic makeup. It's this, be a good person, do good things, and you'll get to heaven or wherever you want to go. And today, I think sometimes we can wrestle with this thought that there's this like formula, you know? And I think at its simplest form, the equation kind of goes like this. Performance equals permitted. All right, I'm going to say that again. I want you to say it with me. Performance equals permitted. Go ahead and say that. Performance equals permitted. I think that's where we are a lot, right? We kind of think, okay, I'm going to keep the rules. And if I break the rules, well, then I got to make up for breaking up the rules. But then I should be okay and I should be able to get where I want to go, right? If you're, if you're good and you, you do the right thing, you're in good standing. But if you do the wrong thing, then you got to pray a bunch of prayers and make up for it. You got to do a bunch of good things and make up for it. And then the way this works is if performance equals permitted, then I'm permitted to church. I'm permitted to the religion. I'm permitted to heaven or paradise or nirvana or being one with everything or whatever that particular religion might believe. And so today, I think some of us kind of have that assumption about Jesus as, as well, right? He's probably looking for the same kind of stuff from us. And and I just want you to think about something for a second here. If that's true, then there are a lot of future performances you and I have to get right if we're going to be accepted by God, right? Like, think about it. Like, the rest of your life, the rest of my life, we have to make sure we are doing the right thing, saying the right thing, or if we get it wrong, making up for all those things so that God can ultimately accept us because performance equals permitted, right? So I'll tell you what, you have a lot of old ladies to walk across the street in your future, There's a lot of times in your future, you wake up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom and you stub your toe. You better not say the word you thought. You better instead say Dagnabbit or G. Willikers, right? Because we've got to be really careful and make sure that we're accepted by God. If performance equals permitted, then here's the deal. You see, this means that you and I are now uncertain, right? We're uncertain. We're uncertain about the future. We're uncertain about what's going to happen in our lives. We're uncertain if, the, if we're actually going to have right standing before God. You see, the, the, the truth is performance doesn't equal permitted. I need you to say that with me. I'm going to say it, then you say it. Performance doesn't equal permitted. Let's say it together. Performance doesn't equal permitted. You see, here's the thing. I think a lot of us think of ourselves in a certain way, right? We kind of think of ourselves as good people with some bad qualities. Uh, who do you think of when you think of that? I know who I think of. I think of Groot from the Avengers. You guys know who I'm talking about? 
Groot, this, this amazing tree, he's like a person, he can somehow walk around, he can somehow, you know, make these noises, and he's like this incredible fighter, he's got all these good qualities, right? Like he is very kind, he's selfless, he's sacrificial, okay? But he's also got some bad qualities, he's not the sharpest guy around, right? And he was also a rebellious teenager, maybe you think to yourself, well then that's me, right? I, I think this is kind of like me, if a, a good person with some bad qualities, I am Groot, right? Like you kind of figure, that's you. Uh, maybe you think, no, that's not me. I think the other side of it is, maybe I'm a, a bad person with some good qualities, you know? And I think, I'm thinking Kylo Ren now, right? I don't know what you're thinking, but I'm thinking Kylo Ren now. If some of you guys haven't caught up on Star Wars yet, I need you to just plug your ears for a minute. Uh, no, actually, I'm just going to ruin it for you because you deserve that at this point, okay? And so here's the deal. Kylo Ren is this guy who does some horrible things. He killed Han Solo. Guys, when Han Solo died, I felt like my family member died, right? And Kylo was a real family member, and he killed him. And so here's a bad person, but he does have some good qualities because at the end of his life, he lives sacrificially, right? And so maybe you're kind of thinking, okay, maybe that's more like me. So either we think we're a good person with some bad qualities or a bad person with some good qualities. And I got to tell you today, neither of those are true. You're going, oh, great. Well, then I guess I'm just like a good person, right? Nope. More on that in a minute. But think about this. What if your salvation doesn't depend on your performance? And what if it doesn't depend on your future performances throughout the rest of your life? What if your salvation depends on something, an event that already took place? If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is so important. I need you listening in on this. This is so important today for you. This could change everything for you. And if you are a follower of Jesus, here's my prayer today. My prayer is that this will again be fresh to your heart. This will bring life to you. This will bring encouragement to you in the middle of a really difficult situation. And so here's where we're going to look today. We're going to look at a guy who had really a few different lenses he was viewed through. I think he viewed himself as a very good person. Like he actually thought he could save himself. And then some others probably viewed him as a good person with some bad qualities. And then others would have said, oh no, this guy's a bad person with maybe a few good qualities. But then there was a fourth lens for this guy. Some people viewed him as pure evil. His name was Paul. And Paul had this amazing life-changing encounter with Jesus. And when he had this encounter, he saw himself clearly. And he then became somebody who could help us see ourselves clearly as well. And he wrote to his friends in a place called Ephesus. And so the letter he wrote is called Ephesians. And we're going to look in Ephesians 2.1 and it says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Paul paints a pretty grim picture here, right? He, he says we're dead. Now he's not saying we're dead physically, right? He's saying that the spiritual part of us, that if it were intact, that could somehow work its way into God's good graces, no, 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 never going to happen because it's dead. That part of us is dead. And I want you to think about something here. He's not calling us good people with bad traits or bad people with good traits. He's saying we literally are lifeless. And I got to tell you guys something. A dead person can't perform. I'm going to say it, then you say it. A dead person can't perform. A dead person can't perform. Think about it. Nobody has ever gone to Madison Square Garden, right, to see a UFC fight between two dead guys, right? Now, usually one of them's dead after, but usually we don't go and line up to see two dead people perform because they can't perform. And Paul is saying, that's us. That's you and I. We can't perform in the way we need to perform to be accepted by God. And so if being accepted by God depends on your ability and my ability, our performance, then man, I hate to burst your bubble here, especially on Easter, but we are in serious trouble. We are not good people with bad traits. We're not bad people with good traits. We're not Groot or Kylo. We are dead in need of saving. And he goes on. Let's go down to verse 3. 
He says, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And so we were gratifying this part of us that is our flesh, that is our, our like this want, this desire, this need that we sometimes feel. Like we've just, I, I just got to do this. You ever felt that before? Like I just have to. I it wasn't even like my mind wasn't right. I just did stuff. I know I shouldn't have done it, but it was almost, almost felt like I had to gratify this part of me. And so Paul says, that was you and I. That was all of us. I'm a pastor. That was me, right? And you might say, but wait a minute. Um, I, I've, I've done good things before I was a Christian. You might be saying, I'm not a Christian at all. I've done good things. Can I ask you why you did them? Think about this. Doing the right thing for the wrong reason is still the wrong thing, right? And so sometimes we even think, hey, I'm a pretty good person. I've done some really good things. God must be impressed. But why did you do them? When I was a kid, I got invited to a party. And it was a party I probably had no business being at. And so I asked my parents if I could go, and they said, no way. And I was upset, but I knew I probably wasn't going to make this happen until the day of the party came. And my dad was outside moving a bunch of mulch around, putting it in all the flower beds. And he had this huge old pile and he was wheelbarrowing it. And I knew this was going to take a long day. So I thought, all right, here's the deal. I'm going to go help him. And maybe if I do that, right, he's going to change his mind about the party. So I didn't say anything about the party. I just went out. I was super friendly. I was all about it. I was in there digging and making sure the mulch got where it went. Hours of my day, hoping that this would change the way my dad thought about the party. Well, later that day, Not only did it not change the way he thought about the party, but when he told me I still couldn't go, I freaked out. Now here I was doing the right thing, right? But I was doing it for the wrong reasons. Sometimes we don't even realize it, but we're doing the right thing for the wrong reason. And maybe we're doing it because we're trying to find God's approval or we feel guilty or we feel bad not to do something. And so Paul is saying here that, man, we truly are in trouble here, right? If performance equals permitted, then we are all in trouble trouble. And then Paul tells us what we deserve. He says in the next part, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Happy Easter, everybody. (laughs) You feeling good about that? Man, that's kind of rough. Don't get off the stream yet because there's some good news coming, right? It's saying that we basically deserve God's judgment as punishment for our sins. That's what God's wrath is. So we're all in trouble. In fact, if performance equals permitted, then I'm in trouble. I want you to say that. I'm going to say it, then you say it. If performance equals permitted, I'm in trouble. Go ahead. If performance equals permitted, I'm in trouble. Now, the worst thing ever would be if I just stopped the message right here. Hey, come back for part two of our Easter message next next week. Nobody would sleep, right? No, but here's the deal. There's a verse for There's a verse four. And here, right here, is where we discover Christianity doesn't look like everything else and Jesus doesn't look like anybody else. And I want you to see here in verse four what it says. And here we take a nice deep breath, a sigh of relief. Look at what it says. But because of his great love for us. Guys, this is it right here. But because of his great love for us, God loves you. I want to say something, then you say it. God loves me. Now you say it. God loves me. I'm going to say it again. God loves me. Now you say it. God loves me. And right here in the verse is where we see what we've been given instead of what we deserve. And that's Easter, everybody. That's Jesus, everybody. That's Christianity. See, we deserve God's wrath, but there is a but here, right? We've all seen the movie or the TV show where the judge read out the list of accusations against the person. Ah, you did this, you did that, you stole this, you murdered that person, you did this and that. And there's this horrible thing and you're just imagining some terrible thing is going to happen. But after they list all that has been read out, they say, but. And when that word is spoken, you know grace is about to be released. And so Paul told us we deserve God's wrath, but he loves us. And so it goes on and says, God, but God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ 
even when we were dead in transgressions. Guys, God made us alive with Christ. What does that mean? Remember that spiritual part of you and I that I talked about earlier? That was dead, that couldn't perform, that couldn't do anything to get ourselves in right standing with God? Well, guess what? Jesus made that part of us alive, but it took his sacrifice, right? That's Good Friday. That's Jesus on the cross. That's him being beaten and brutally murdered in our place, but then him coming back from the dead. So think about it. We were spiritually dead. Jesus was alive. Jesus dies that we would find life. This is Easter. This is our hope. Now you might be here today saying, Doug, I just can't buy this stuff. I stopped here. I'm looking at the stream on Facebook. Wonderful. Thank you so much for it. I just can't believe Jesus is alive. Well, here's what I want to ask you to do. First, reach out to me. I want to talk with you. I want to tell you what I found. I searched for years and years and years. If you don't want to do that, that's okay. Head to our website, livingwordli.org. Check out the evidence series under our messages. Please check out what's going on there because I looked for years and years trying to discover if Jesus was really alive and I found, man, he is alive and well today. It goes on here. This difference between Jesus and everybody else. It says, it is by grace you have been saved. Grace is unmerited favor. Guys, you don't find that anywhere else. You don't find that in the other religions you try to slide in or the other names you try to bring in instead of Jesus. This is the only place you find grace. In fact, let's jump down to verse 8. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Everybody say gift. Ready? Gift. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. There's a new equation, everybody, right? Performance equals permitted. Did not work. There's a new equation and it goes like this. Believe equals receive. Believe equals receive. I'm going to say it. You say it. Believe equals receive. Believe equals receive. That's the Easter equation. That's the Jesus equation. This is how gracious this God is. Instead of sending his wrath, God sent his son. So you and I can say, all right, I'm going to look to Jesus. I'm going to look to the one who took my place. I'm going to look to the one who rescued me. I'm going to look to the one who died for me. And this is how Christianity stands apart. Guys, nobody came for you but Jesus, not anybody else. He was the only one who came for you and came for me. And if performance can't get us where we have to get, man, we've got this new equation, believe equals receive. We're not going to look ahead to the rest of our lives trying to figure out if we'll make the cut or not. No, now we have received such incredible grace because we look back to an event. It's Jesus raised back from the dead. And his followers were so convinced that he was alive, they gave their lives for it. And the first, gener- the first century was transformed by this truth. And the, the message of Jesus is still transforming lives today because Jesus said, I was good enough to get you where you want to go. I lived the perfect life that you couldn't live. I died in your place. I beat hell and death. And I rose back from the dead all about grace. And some of you guys might be saying, wait a minute, Doug. It sounds like you're taking all the emphasis off of doing good things now. So what's the deal with that? We just do whatever we want. We get away with it. No, see, we still try to aim to please God. But the whole motivation has changed, right? Now there's a new why. The why is not so that I'll be accepted. It's because I have been accepted, right? And so actually, it's it's incredibly powerful to think about that looking to the death and resurrection of Jesus empowers me here and now. Like today, as I look to that, as, as temptation comes into my life, doing the wrong thing, maybe some kind of option pops up. Now I'm saying, wait, 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 I don't want to do that. Because I love my Jesus so much more than that thing. I want to honor Jesus so much more than giving in to that temporal little satisfaction here and now. And looking to the death and resurrection of Jesus empowers me to live a different way. Guys, I'm empowered by grace, right? And God wants to empower you by grace 
too. And so if you thought Christianity looks like everything else, I pray today you're seeing Christianity stands on its own. Jesus stands on his own. Grace stands on its own. Here's the truth I want, to, I want you to get deep in your heart today. Only Jesus saves by grace. Would you say that with me? Only Jesus saves by grace. Let's say it one more time. Only Jesus saves by grace. He 100% stands apart. There is no one else like him. Performance doesn't equal permitted. We have to believe and receive. It's about grace. We aren't good people with bad traits, bad people with good traits. We are not Groot. We are not Kylo. We are people who were dead and needed a savior. And so we believe and we receive. We look to Jesus. And guys, here's what I want to ask you to do today. I want you to lean totally on Jesus. We live on Long Island. It's a really religious area, which means a lot of people are saying this different equation of Jesus and, right? Jesus and. It's, I'll, I'll let Jesus do his part. He did the 95%, but I'm going to do my part too, right? No, I want to say today, we got to lean fully on the sacrifice of Jesus in our place. We got to stop trying to save ourselves in any little shape or form. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, can I ask you something? Have you ever put your trust in Jesus? Have you ever asked him to forgive you and rescue you and make you his own? Have you ever looked to him and said, Jesus, I'm dead. I'm not just like a good person with some bad issues or even a bad person with a few good. God, I am dead and I need a resurrecting Savior to resurrect me as well. Have you looked to Jesus? I want to encourage you to look back to the event. If, you're, if you are a follower of Jesus, I need to speak to you for a minute. Because my prayer is you're getting something out of this today too. My prayer is that you're still looking back to the event too. Because it's our everything. It's our hope, right? It's all we have. It's all we have to cling to is this event of Jesus on a cross and then risen back from the dead. And I want to tell you what that event does for you and me. It gives us something. You know what it gives us? Certainty. Certainty. See, we said before that if performance equals permitted, then we live the rest of our lives uncertain what's going to happen when we die. But if you and I put our trust in Jesus, then we live in a place of certainty. And I know this is true for a couple of reasons. First off, I want to tell you, before the coronavirus hit us and this whole thing went crazy, 2020 was already one of the hardest years of my life. I had been to more funerals in the first several months this year than I had all the year before. And we lost some amazing people this year. And I went to a funeral where some parents were burying their 16-year-old daughter. I went to a funeral where uh, a spouse was burying her 40-something-year-old husband. I went to several funerals where parents were, or child, children rather, were burying their parents. And these were great people. And it was hard. And we cried and we wept and, and we lost some good people. But here's what I can tell you. Everybody just zoom in for a minute here. Here's what I can tell you. Take your eyes off your phone for a minute. Maybe, you know, look away from the kids for a second. Just look up at me for a second. Here's what I can tell you about every single funeral I went to. It was characterized by this one word, certainty. And so the parents of that 16-year-old girl got up and said, our hearts are broken, but we know where our daughter is. That woman got up and said, man, my heart is broken. I'm 40 and I, I lost my husband, but I will tell you this, I know where my husband Tommy is. And parents got up and said, we know where our dad is. We know, our kids got up and said, we know where our dad is. We know where our mom is. We are certain because it wasn't about performance equaling permitting. It was about, no, a life lived by a savior and an event that transforms everything. And I'll tell you, this is the thing personally for me that always keeps me coming back. We put out a video on Good Friday that talked about the power of this statement, it's not fair. I don't deserve this. We gotta keep looking back to the Savior who didn't deserve to be on a cross. We gotta keep looking back to the Savior who it wasn't fair for him to give his life for you and for me. 
Somebody once said, man, I don't like it that sometimes God just kind of sits on his hands, you know? Like we need him to get up and be active and do something. And he just kind of sits back on his hands and seems to watch. Somebody once said this brilliant thing that, man, the biggest time God ever sat on his hands when he allowed his son, actually forget allowed, planned for his son to be put up on a cross and brutally murdered in our place. God loves you. God loves you. We got to keep looking back to the event. We got to lean heavily on the event. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I pray today you will look to Jesus. You will say, I need a savior. I'm dead apart from you. God, please draw me close to you. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you're still looking back, right? It's your everything. It's your hope. It's your all. You're still looking back to the cross of Jesus, right? You're still looking back to the empty tomb because Jesus stands apart. And Easter is what it is today. And Jesus is what it is today. Christianity is what it is today all because of this event of grace. Only Jesus saves by grace. Let me pray for you today. God, we thank you so much that only you save by grace. That you alone stand apart. Nobody else looks like you, Jesus. And following you doesn't look like following anything or anybody else. Thank you, God, for who you are and what you have done for us. Lord, you are so good. And thank you, Jesus, that today we get to come around your goodness. We get to come around your mercy and your grace and say, you are everything to us. And so if you are not a follower of Jesus today, I would so love for you to think about putting your trust in him. I would so love for you to think about just taking a minute and saying, God, I realize today I'm lost without you. In fact, I want to give you a few words, and these are not magic words, and you don't have to say them exactly like this, but man, this would be a great blessing to our church today to know that some people are looking at Jesus this would be everything for you it would change everything you're here and now your eternity this is how you get to heaven this is how you make it through this life is with Jesus by your side as your savior and rescuer and so if you want to put your trust in him today I'm going to speak a few words out I'd love for you to pray them with me you could just say something like this Jesus thank you so much for coming thank you for dying in my place thank you for rising from the dead thank you for rescuing me from all my sin and my guilt and my shame. Jesus, thank you that you're good. And now I'm asking that you'll show me what it looks like to follow you. If you are a follower of Jesus, I wanna say today, let's keep looking back to the event. Let's keep looking back to our hope. This is a hard time. Let's keep looking back to Jesus. Let's keep clinging to Jesus. He is everything. And don't ever believe that he doesn't stand apart. Don't ever believe that he looks like everybody else. No, Jesus is unique. Jesus alone came for you. Jesus alone hung on a cross for you. Jesus alone beat death and hell and rose back from the dead. And Jesus, man, he's the only one who saves by grace.